back to NatChat, the Natillic podcast. My name is Rob Thor, and today we take a look at the world of applications, data, and multi-cloud. Over the last 10 years, Pure Storage have taken the data center market by storm, emerging as the clear market leader in the storage space. With their innovative and flexible take on modern data, it's no wonder that they continue to go from strength to strength. I sat down with not one, but two of their CTOs to discuss conversations they're having with IT leaders around the world and how they continue to strengthen and diversify their portfolio in 2020. It's Tuesday, December 15th, and this is the Natillic Podcast. Delighted to welcome to the Natillic Podcast, field CTOs at Pure Storage. Uh, firstly, Fred Harrell, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well, Rob. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, not bad at all, thank you. Very, very good. Excited for the wind down to Christmas whenever whenever it begins. Um, and also Patrick Smith. How are you doing, Patrick? Hi, Rob. All good. Sun shining in London. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to say I was winding down for Christmas, but things are busy. There's no such thing as the end of uh, end of quarter, definitely for us. So um, ramping up more than anything. Um, gents, thank you very much for joining me. Um, for, for those that might not be aware, so Pure Storage are obviously making a lot of waves in the making a lot of waves is probably an understatement, um, to be fair. But um, in the in the storage and data center space, um, huge strategic partner for us. So, um, gents, would you mind giving us a little bit of an introduction um, for the listeners about yourselves and your job roles? Maybe uh, Fred will start first. Sure, of course. So, uh, my name is Fred Leroux. I'm um, I was the first pure employee actually in Europe um, back eight years ago, um, long time ago. Um, I've had a number of roles since then uh, at Pure, including a stint of a year and a half within the engineer organization in California. And um, I'm now one of the two field CTOs uh, in EMEA. And part of my work is uh, just helping customers understanding our strategy and how we can fit uh, into their data strategy just in general, but also capturing feedback and bringing it back within the pure engineering organization and product management and make sure that the products we build actually fits our customers' need. Yeah, I think that's really, really important as well. It's good to see uh, a CTO that doesn't just sort of hide in the background and is there sort of looking looking into the whites of the client's eyes and, and listening to feedback and whatnot. Um, and Patrick, how about yourself, sir? Yeah, thanks, Rob. So, uh, yeah, I haven't been at uh, Pure for anywhere near as long as Fred. Uh, I'm two and a half years into my, my life here, um, which is interesting for me because it's a complete change. My My whole career pretty much has been spent in financial services. So starting off running around a trading floor, fixing traders' problems. Um, and then, you know, most recently running uh, an infrastructure engineering organization and, and becoming a customer of Pure's. So uh, being on the customer side, experiencing Pure, and now I get to talk about Pure as a Pure employee. Um, and like Fred says, you know, going out, talking to customers and prospective customers, uh, understanding their challenges and how Pure can help um, enhance and, and move their data center to you know, the next level and, and solve their problems is, uh, is really what I enjoy about, about the role. Yeah, that's great. And it's, it's quite interesting to see that you, you've come from a, so, so you're a client of Pure Storage, did you say? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I was sure. a customer of Pure's and, you know, I've spent 25 years building infrastructures for, for large banks. So it's interesting then seeing 
you know, the world outside of financial services, what customers are doing in telco, in manufacturing, in media, um, in healthcare, uh, really uh, eye-opening for the different challenges, but also the fact that all of those different verticals have many of the same challenges that they're trying to address. Yeah, I'm always always fascinated to hear and, and also fascinating to see the amount this is a sort of you guys have been causing quite a lot of disruption in the market safe to say i think that's why you've been so successful and it's interesting to see how that's reflected upon the recruitment policy as well because you know i'm seeing quite a lot of well, what i would call sort of in, certainly in the partner community big names uh, moving some from some other key vendors to you know really buying into your story and whatnot so i think that's a huge testament to, to what you guys are doing as well why why should our listeners if they're not already aware of pure storage why should why should you guys be on their radar yeah, of course. So a number of things, right? So, so pure for those um, of you that are listening that, that don't know about Pure Storage, we're a 10 years old company headquartered in uh, the Silicon Valley in Mountain View, California. Uh, we've got about 8,000 customers worldwide, um, with a fair chunk of that being in, you know, uh, in the US, but of course, all across the world, right? Uh, uh, Europe, Middle East, Asia, Pacific, and so on. Um, and really, our goal is to deliver to our customers a what we call a modern data experience. So um, we've reimagined the way um, customers get access to data platforms, how the consumption work, but also all of the day-to-day operations um, to something that's much more modern, much more cloud-like. Um, that can easily be automated and just works all the time, right? So we deliver data storage and data management solutions that work in the data center, in the public cloud, and with features and capabilities that allow easy um, hybrid cloud deployments, mobility across clouds. Yeah, great. And um, yeah, I think that, that that speaks a lot to why Pure Storage are such a key focus partner for Natilic. I think, um, you know, we've got a strong Cisco Gold Partnership legacy, but you guys pretty much play nice with with absolutely everyone. Um, not only that, sort of being the best of breed, so to speak. I mean, I know our CTO, Adam Bonney, is absolutely in love with what you guys have done for our data center. Um, and so much so that he's actually written a blog about it. Um, listeners, if you want to want to check that out. Um, and also, I suppose, the, the Gartner backing that we'll, we'll come on to a little bit later as well. Um, but enough brown nosing. Um, Patrick, I was reading a, a blog recently. Um, sounds like you've been a, a busy boy this year, sort of um, in terms of client interactions and things like that. It's quite an interesting read. But would you mind summarizing up, some summarizing sort of how your 2020's been? What kind of conversations you're having with clients, just to to kick us off to begin with? Yeah, I mean, it, it's been an interesting year. Firstly, uh, not seeing the inside of an aeroplane since. Uh since the end of February is uh, is a huge change for us and, and talking to customers on on Zoom calls, um, huge change. Um, but then... Good or a bad thing? Do you miss oh, it? I miss it very badly. I never thought I'd miss inside of an aeroplane, but I, I really do. I can't I can't wait to get back traveling. Yeah, um, and, and more importantly, meet, meeting people face-to-face um, because uh, those, those are when the best conversations happen. But, you know, Zoom is doing a good job for us. Um, and still uh, talking a lot to um, to customers about the challenges they're facing, you know, this year probably more than any other. Um, and some of the the, the key topics: um, lowering cost. It, it's never gone away. You know, my my background is financial services before I joined Pure. Um, and within financial services, we seem to have been on 
on a cost-cutting drive for pretty much since 2008, to be honest. Um, this year, all organizations are looking to lower their costs. And, and I think we have a different story around that in terms of some of the, the uh, capabilities that, that we bring to the table with Pure, not just technically, but also commercially. Um, we're seeing a lot of organizations looking to bring a lot of the cost structures that they see with the public cloud into their on-premise technology. So with what we have with Pure as a service, that really is interesting to customers. It allows them to reduce their capital outlay. You know, money is king or cash is king right now. And so being able to move to a, an OPEX model rather than a CAPEX model is, is really interesting for them. So lowering costs, really uh, a big topic. Um, we talk about the cloud and the use of the public cloud. We're seeing, especially this year, the uh, public cloud being really important in customers being able to respond to changing demand um, and changing demand on their infrastructure and being able to do that in a lockdown scenario. So it, it's, you know, I think the cloud has, has really been central to a lot of businesses keeping running. But um, that flexibility, isn't it? And flexibility, flexibility, agility, and, you know, making the data center somebody else's problem, if you like, um, which has been really important. It'll be interesting to see as we roll into next year whether organizations rebalance that slightly because, you know, as much as we talk about the cloud and the adoption of the public cloud, we're really seeing hybrid cloud as being the end point for so many organizations now. They want the best of both worlds. Um, or more and more, they're talking about multi-cloud, whereby they want a choice of one, two, or three public cloud providers plus an on-prem capability or a colo-based capability, you know, because they're being driven by lots of different factors. There may be a regulator that says you can't run certain applications in a certain location. They may have data sovereignty um, requirements they need to meet. So uh, public cloud and hybrid cloud and multi-cloud are increasingly uh, a topic for us. And it's interesting, you know, because over the last two years, we've gone from not really having much of a play in the public cloud to, to really having gone all in on the public cloud with, with our technology, whether it's long-term data protection uh, by retaining snapshots in the public cloud, or whether it's actually using our software running natively in uh, in the public cloud. We've got some, some really interesting uh, options there that make the hybrid cloud a, a much easier proposition. Yeah, and if I can add, if I can add something here, um, I think one of the uh, challenges that customers face when they really want to embrace that notion of hybrid cloud is it's not just about spotting the application, it's also making sure that the data is where it needs to be. Um, and, and they're really seeing the challenges of data gravity in that case. And that's, that's where really we can help by providing them solutions so that they can easily move data uh, between clouds, uh, but also if needed work in a 
in a hybrid manner for an application. So for example, one of our uh, customers that's in the retail industry, they run production application on-premises in their data center, but they actually use our technology to provide instant copies of the data to developers in the cloud where it makes sense for those workloads that require elasticity to be able to scale up and down. And having that solution that gives you a single data plane across clouds is really key to enabling these type of workflows. So another thing that, uh, that's been a, um, a, you know, a really important discussion for me this year with a number of customers is around, so as we're talking about the need for hybrid cloud, of course, there's what we need to do from a cloud point of view, but also how do we make the data center look and feel like the cloud? How do we provide the same experience in the data center that you get from the cloud? And we've seen a, um, a number of clients um, across the world, uh, but including some of our common customers with Natalik, really focusing on what do I need to do from a data center point of view uh, in terms of one, using simple building blocks that can scale easily, but also bringing automation from literally day zero, like you know, literally the physical installation of the kit, all the way to day three, using open source components to bring all of that automation, using uh, automation tools that come from the world of open source, the, the likes of Terraform, the likes of Ansible, really to basically be able to provide this infrastructure as a service and have the same sort of level of services that they get from the public cloud, be able to deliver that to their internal users as well. So that's been a big focus for us. Um, and it's really, it's caused us to actually flesh out quite a lot what we can do in terms of open source connectivity, in terms of integration into those automation solutions, but also a lot of discussions around API capabilities. So a lot of customers these days are looking at user and graphical user interfaces almost as read-only tools. Anything that actually changes the configuration goes through an API call. So that's also uh, been one of the um, one of the reasons why um, we've seen quite a take up um, of of our solutions just generally because they're really really easy to automate. And part of that automation comes from the need to empower developers. So that's also probably another um, key discussion for me this year is as developers are really have really become critical uh, in enabling. Uh, digital transformation, it, the, the question becomes, okay, how do I not only give them the tools that they need when they need it without a human in the loop, but also how do I give them the data that they need uh, on demand or in an automated manner? So for example, one of our customer in the financial services has built what I would call a data as a service automation layer on top of our technology that allows their developer to get instant clones of data from the production database, but in the R&D environment without asking anything to anyone. And they actually perform about 2000 copies of those data per day to support all their CI CD uh, workflow. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a great year to see the innovation that, that has been embraced in terms of trying to creatively you know, address some of these challenges and whatnot. And certainly automation is one where I think supporting that that scalability i think is something that we've seen across all technology stacks not just the data center but definitely i know there's um the, the 
example that you gave there, the sort of the common client that we've got where we have a podcast coming up on recently, I think uh, coming up on soon, sorry, um, will be, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to tell that story because I think that is a really good example of the success and should hopefully um, paint the picture a little bit more. Um, so just in terms of other developments this year, chaps in, in 2020 with Pure Storage, um, notice you guys have been busy with um, with an acquisition, so so Portworks. Um, would you would you mind sort of touching a little bit on how that plays into your data center story and and, and the thought process behind that? How that how that has enhanced your your offering to clients? So so indeed we acquired Portworks back in September, um, and Portworks is you know a really interesting piece of technology. Uh, so Patrick was talking about uh, that requirement that that many customers have to. Um, uh, to, to work in a hybrid cloud manner, and, and and therefore it means being able to port applications and data, and that's one of the things that Portworks brings, right? So Portworks is um, really uh, architected around the world of containers. It's a software-defined storage solution for Kubernetes and you know other containerized platforms. And first of all, one of the things that it brings is what I would call an abstraction layer for data. So it means that you can now um, access data, configure data, um, and migrate data, uh, regardless of where your Kubernetes applications are running, right? So it, it becomes really easy to say, take a production application that's running in your data center, maybe on OpenShift and migrate it to um, Amazon or Azure Kubernetes uh, services, for example. Uh, but also it brings, um, it basically closes the gap uh, in terms of that, that world of containers, um, you know, while it's, um, you know, while it's starting to run production application, it still has the typical requirements in terms of disaster recovery, backup, and so on. And if you want to get in production, if you want to take an application and actually uh, make it production ready, you need to be able to demonstrate that you can actually effectively run a disaster recovery and that your data is protected as it is. And, and Portworks bring all of these that doesn't exist natively into the Kubernetes ecosystem. Alongside with you know, being able to work around some of the limitations of the public cloud itself in terms of data availability and data protection. So, so now you end up with that data abstraction layer that allows you to run production application containers uh, in production regardless of whether it's in your data center or in someone else's and easily scale as needed and move those applications as needed between those different clouds yeah and i think it's interesting on portworks you know we were increasingly seeing in our the conversations that we were having with customers that they were talking about portworks or they deployed portworks into their environments and we'd seen that progression from, you know, if you rewind a couple of years ago, customers were, were dipping their toe in the water with containers, but they were doing stateless containers. They were picking the easy stuff. And what we've seen over the last few years is they've progressed from dealing with the low hanging fruit. And then they've started looking at how they deal with containers with persistent data. And they've realized that actually that's a whole lot more challenging. And what we found was Portworks were were the industry leader in this place. And so, you know, the fact that we've acquired them and now bring um, Portworks to the Pure family, I think is is really a, a big uh, 
big advantage to our customers. Yeah, yeah and I think the uh, one of the one of the, the the key thing we've seen this year is for the first time in 2020, if you look at the um, job offerings in the UK market, there are more job uh, uh, opportunities for you know that that are looking for Kubernetes skills than VMware skills actually. So I think it really signals a change, a transition from the traditional virtualized model to fully containerized. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out as we move into next year and whatever whatever the new normal is of you know hybrid home and, and office working and and people sort of scaling down their um, footprint in offices and things like that. I think yeah, um, certainly a good time to be a, a, a DevOps engineer. I think. Um, Okay, and um, I think from from another sort of strategic perspective, um, also did a little bit of reading on your Cohesity partnership. So it's an interesting one. I think again that that seems to be a, another diversification from from you guys um, in terms of uh, sort of the areas that you play in the data center. Um, why 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 Cohesity instead of some of the other players in the in the market, Patrick? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, we've been increasingly focusing on the world of data protection uh, pretty much for the last year and a half. Um, and and a lot of that focus is driven by, you know, what our customers are doing with our technology, whether it's, whether it's leveraging snapshots on our Flash Array platform or whether it's taking our FlashBlade technology and using the massive throughput and, and scalability that customers get with Flashblade to be able to back up their workloads really quickly and hit their recovery, their uh, backup windows, but also provide restore performance that they could never get before. And so Flashblade is, is really getting a lot of adoption for backup and what we call rapid restore capabilities in the data centers. And you know, Fred talked about data gravity a, a few minutes ago the backup data sets and application data sets are getting larger and larger and the backup windows are not getting larger and larger to compensate for that. And so you need to be able to back up larger and larger data sets within the same window. And if you have to restore them, then businesses, especially with the move to more and more online, are less and less tolerant to outages. So restore performance is really becoming key. And then, but the backup, capability isn't just about the hardware platform and having a really high performance hardware platform to store the data. It's all about the software that sits on top of it. And we saw a lot of our customers talking about cohesity, talking about the simplicity of cohesity and the customer focus of cohesity, which culturally align with everything that we talk about in terms of pure, you know, right from the beginning, the focus of Pure and our products has been on making them as simple and easy to operate as possible, makes for low overhead, easy management, and overall reduced cost. And Cohesity take that, take that same simplicity approach. So at a high level, it was a good alignment. But what we've seen with working with Cohesity and the partnership that we've struck up with them is that taking Cohesity's software and our uh, data platform gives best of both worlds and moves a cohesity offering to what we've always talked about as being a disaggregated platform, separating out, separating out the compute from the storage so that you can scale them independently. If you need more, more throughput, you can add more compute nodes. If you need more uh, 
data storage, you can add more storage at the back end and you can do that independently depending on, on the changing requirements of the business. And by putting FlashBlade underneath Cohesity, we're able to drive that performance that I was talking about earlier and give faster backup and faster restore performance. So really delivering on quite a lot of the targets of our customers in terms of simplicity, performance, restore times, uh, it's 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 a an evolving partnership um, and and importantly an OEM relationship. So when we launched this in in a mere formally in in uh, early next year, it'll be something that customers can buy straight from Pure as the Flash Recover offering. Yeah, and for which we'll be sorry, and for which we'll be providing support. Um, so single point of contact for support as well. And I think one of the, from my perspective, one of the uh, the reason we, we we looked at Coesity to to build that engineered solution is they're not just focused on data protection. They also provide a lot of uh, capabilities in terms of data reuse. So these days, it's not just about protecting the data. And of course, you need to be able to restore it quickly. But it's how can I make use of that data that I've protected and that it is available on that data protection platform? Yeah, it's interesting. And, and you said that, um, Patrick, that this is an evolving partnership. So potentially more to come in the future. Not not that I'm going to hold you to a commitment there. You know, it's an ongoing, it, it's an ongoing relationship, you know, not just from a sales perspective, but also at an engineering level, we've co-engineered these technologies to work together. Uh, and I think that makes it, it really exciting. It, it takes, you know, we have partnerships with with some other data protection software providers, but but with Cohesity, we've taken it to a different level with that co-engineering. Yeah, it's good to see, it's good to see. Nice, so um, yeah, I think that's um, that's pretty much it for us guys. Um, thank you very much for your time. Just as a, as a call to action to our listeners then, so um, Pure Storage and Natilic have been working together on what we're calling sort of DC health checks. So those are free one-to-one engagements between Natilic and Pure Storage data center experts just to help with optimization and, and, and all of that around um, the storage environment. So there's a link in the, in the podcast description for anyone interested in, in checking that out. Um, we'd also like to point listeners in in the direction of the the recent Gartner Magic Quadrant report, which you can actually get directly from Pure Storage. Um, so you guys have, have put that front and center and I can I can see why. Um, I don't think I've I don't think I've quite seen someone be that far in the in the top right quadrant as a as a market leader um, as you guys are. So congratulations on that. You must be very proud. Thank you. Yes we are. Definitely. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that's um, I think that's pretty much it for for, for, for today, listeners. Um, Fred, Patrick, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Rob. Great to be here. Rob, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to NatChat, the Natalik podcast. Please subscribe to the Natalik podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us a review while you're there. It really helps us improve and grow the show. Please note that opinions expressed on the Natilic podcast are those of the hosts or our guests, not the organizations that they represent. You can find more information on Natilic on our website, that's natilic.com. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Natilic Group, as well as Facebook and LinkedIn. Our theme music was provided by Dan Short, who you can find at Danza, that's D-A-N-Z-R, on music streaming services. This is Rob Thor, and thanks again for listening.